welcome to the Hungry Authors Podcast. A hungry author is someone who is, quite simply, hungry for it. They're willing to do what it takes to achieve their writing dreams. If that resonates, you're in the right place. I'm Ariel. And I'm Liz. We're two book coaches, editors, and writers here to help you get there. We interview experts and chat about all things publishing and writing to educate and build a community of successful writers, whatever that means to you. Welcome. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Hungry Authors Podcast. Today, it's just me and Ariel talking to you guys about platform. A word that gets tossed around a lot in the publishing industry. Sometimes it scares people. Sometimes people don't have any idea what it is, how to build one, why it matters, if it matters. And we're going to be covering a lot of that today. So first of all, what is a platform? Here's how we define platform and how a lot of people in the industry that we know like agents and editors define it and this is the lens that they're looking through when they're evaluating your pitch and your proposal it's basically an amalgamation of all the opportunities you have to get your message out to your audience i.e sell books this can be all kinds of things most people think of it as social media That's the first thing that come to people's minds, email, but it's a lot more than that. And we'll get into some of that here in a minute, but the, what we really want you guys to know at the top of this episode is that platform is just a distribution channel to sell books. It doesn't have to just be social media. It doesn't have to be just any one thing. It's all kinds of things. So anyway, we'll get into that in a minute. That's right. I usually like to think of platform as this collection of tools. And it's it can be, like you said, anything from social media to your email newsletter to even the like associations and communities that you are a part of. It's anything that gets you access to your potential readers. So I find that authors can and should think pretty creatively about who those people might be. And your platform can actually get bigger than you think, faster than you realize with just the power of networking. One of the um, one of our friends, Jeff Goins, he often says that your most powerful element of platform is your network, the connections you have, the people that you know who are going to then promote your book to the people that they know. And so you hear a lot about word of mouth and it's really true that word of mouth is one of the best um, ways to use your platform. And the best way to do that is by having this large network of people, different organizations, social media, people that you consult with or speak in front of and make them your ambassadors for your book. Right. So the overarching belief system behind this is that the more people you know and who like you and trust your message, the more people are going to buy your book, the more people you're going to have access to, to, you know, let them know about it. 
there's a logic to it. I mean, in general, people with bigger platforms do sell more books. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> there are definitely exceptions to that rule for sure. But I think it's so common for writers to be told, you know, especially by agents and publishers when they're pitching, oh, you need a bigger platform. I hear that's the the reason I hear for rejections beyond anything else. That seems to be the number one bugaboo. And so you find authors who are spending so much money on classes and ads and all of these things and focusing, you know, spending most of their time and attention on trying to build this amorphous thing called a platform right? <laughs> without really knowing what the, what the goal is or why, or how they're going to use it effectively and feeling discouraged because what they are, are is a writer and they feel like this pursuit of platform is distracting them from doing what they know how to do and want to do best. Exactly. And, you know, a creative and I think encouraging way to think about this is hopefully if you are a writer, you want people to read your work. And so to some degree, that's what you're doing as your platform building. You are getting it out there in front of people and drawing your village to you. You know, you're drawing the people who read whatever work you're working on now will read your future books. You're, yeah, hopefully some of those people have platforms of their own and will share your work. So in at its most basic form, platform building is, yeah, building your village, building the tribe of people who like what you do and resonate with, with that. I do want to make the point here too, that when you're talking about, you know, you don't have a big enough platform, it's such tricky feedback and it can feel so unhelpful to people. And there are even editors and agents who use it as just a blanket, easy excuse that doesn't feel super personal. I'm not saying that's because a lot of times it might be true, but I would tell people if you're hearing that over and over again, it might actually be worth examining your pitch because it's just an easy way to tell people that they're not interested. That doesn't, it feels better than I don't like your idea. Yes. Oh my gosh. I so think that's right. In fact, my husband and I were talking about this recently and I was explaining this conundrum to him and he said, okay, so the real thing is that publishers, when they say you don't have a big enough platform, what they're really meaning in some cases is you don't have a big enough platform to make this crappy idea work. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which sounds terrible, yes. but Honestly, I think that's the truth is that it's easier to tell somebody and I'm guilty of it as a past acquisitions editor. I definitely used this excuse of like, oh, your platform's not big enough because it's so much easier to say that than you need to go back to the drawing board and rethink this idea or you need to go take some writing classes and improve the craft of what you're trying to do. Exactly. Yeah. I think if you are pitching and you keep hearing that, either get honest with yourself and re-examine your pitch and your idea or start asking follow-up questions and see if you can't get that editor or agent to give you a little bit more information about your idea or about platform. I mean, blanket rule, if someone rejects you, always follow up. Don't ever just stop there. Not even for the sake of like trying to land them, just for the sake of learning more about how to you know improve 
your idea and your pitch. But because another thing that I know is true, not in all circumstances, but I've heard multiple agents and editors tell me that when they read a great idea or great writing, they will overcome obstacles like platform. So if you have a good enough idea and you are a good enough writer, caveat platform always helps always. So it is good to have one, but it doesn't have to be a barrier and agents and editors who do come across great pitches and great ideas, they will start, you know, I've heard some of them even say like the, the, the way when they read a great pitch, they know they're interested when their mind already starts overcoming some of the obstacles that they know they're going to face platform almost always being one which was i think i already mentioned it and then didn't elaborate on genre that you know genre matters a lot here and if you're writing fiction platform matters a lot less and it's you know just in general it's a little bit trickier to build a platform around fiction anyway fiction writers have a lot of trouble writing or uh, building a platform because it, it's just harder to um build a platform around story than around like a message or something prescriptive and here at hungry authors we don't do a lot around fiction anyway but i do if there are fiction authors out there listening platform matters less although again blanket caveat for the whole episode it always helps so you should like be trying to do that but in general it matters less and I'm sure there are agents and editors who have lots of different takes on this, but another genre where it can matter less is memoir because memoir is so much about the craft of writing and how you tell it. And there are almost no rules when it comes to memoir and how to write them and what makes a good one. And so many of the biggest memoirs that have become blockbusters were fairly unknown people, you know, like Stephanie land who wrote made, you know, like she did land an article in Vox before she got her book deal, which was an avenue to her getting that book deal. I don't know if she was approached by an agent after they read that article or if she like leveraged that somehow in her pitches. But in general, she did have a big article come out before she got that. But before that, she didn't have a platform of any kind. You know, she was just a good writer who liked to write. So if you are writing prescriptive nonfiction in like business certainly uh, any kind of big idea book thought leadership it is important that you be seen as an expert and a part of that is going to be your platform evaluation those those types of genres this will matter a lot more you're going to have a lot more trouble convincing somebody that you can sell a thought leadership book if you can't prove that anybody likes your thoughts you know (laughs) (laughs) although The possible exception to that too is journalists, because there are a lot of journalists out there who do not have big platforms who are still able to write great books because they have this long list of bylines behind them and they've proven that they're good writers. So that was the case for Warren Berger, who was one of our very first interviews for this podcast. If you look up Warren Berger, he doesn't have an Instagram account. He does have a Twitter account because he's a journalist first and foremost. And that's how he was able to, you know, leverage all of his bylines and his experience as a writer. And he had this great idea to, you know, go asking questions in Silicon Valley about how they have good ideas. He came around to this, you know, the conclusion that it's questioning, learning how to ask the right questions. And he was able to pitch that to a publisher and it became a New York Times bestseller. And he does not have a super large platform. And I just, 
and, and that's a prescriptive nonfiction book. So it just goes to show there are, there are ways to do it without a large platform, but it's about what you put the weight on. And if you're not going to have a super large platform, then your writing needs to be incredible. It needs to be jaw-dropping, show-stopping, incredible. Your idea needs to be super compelling and interesting, and it needs to grab people's attention. Yeah. Let's say you want to write a book, like most hungry authors, you want to write a nonfiction book, and you keep hearing you need to have a platform. Let's get a little bit more granular. We mentioned at the top of the show, social media. Most people know that one. If you've got a decent sized social media, that's going to help. Now, all of this is sort of speculation. It's hard to um, quantify it exactly. But in general, I think most agents and editors are aware that social media is one of the medium level benchmarks of platform. You know, like that, what I mean is 1 million Instagram followers does not necessarily correlate to lots and lots of book sales. It will certainly help, but there are things that matter more like email list. That's always at the top of people's list, right? Yep. People who have a big email list, it's a little bit, there's a higher barrier to entry there and that people have to opt in, give you their emails. It's more personal landing in people's inboxes. So email list, of course, I think most people are aware of that one. Connections we mentioned, who do you know in your industry who will serve like Ariel said, as an ambassador, my friend Pollyanna Reed calls these people sponsors, especially if you're a first time author who will sponsor your work, who's you know gonna put their name down beside you and endorse what you're doing. Having people in the industry who can do that for you is great. Now, you know, networking is, is its whole own thing and out of the scope of this podcast, but beginning to authentically connect with people who do what you do, um, which is hopefully something everyone's interested in if you're a writer. And getting bylines in some of those national publications. If you can land an article in Vox or in Inc. or some of these large you know, entrepreneurial publications, and obviously the New York Times would be huge. And the more often you can be getting your name and validating your ideas in those smaller platforms and those publications, you're going to start attracting attention by agents and publishers who look at those places to find great ideas. This was something that I did. It was my uh, most successful acquisition strategy actually, was I read education blogs and I read education journals and things like that. And I was looking for who has a really great idea and can convey it in a really unique way that's not being already, you know, talked about. That's not an already saturated in the market. Editors and agents always want information that's going to cut through all of the noise and catch people's attention. So it's definitely possible to think broader about platform than just social media. Exactly. Yeah. Bylines, even a really like viral popular medium article you know, yeah. that does really well. Like Ben Hardy, um, Benjamin Hardy, like got his career started on Medium. This was a few years ago, but in general, like people still, agents and editors still consider Medium, like if it gets a bunch of reads and hits, like it's still validation. People still go viral in the very original ways of it getting shared on all kinds of different platforms. Speaking, 
you and I have talked about that one. Speaking is still one of the best indicators of book sales is somebody who's on the speaking circuit very regularly. I know agents who seek out speakers like to write a book for that reason. Even if they don't have a book idea, they'll be like, you're a great speaker. You've got a message. Let's come up with a book idea. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We need to speculate on why, but in general, I, you know, when you're speaking people who go to hear people speak, they often end up buying their books. A lot of people who, you know, a lot of these conferences will partner with them and like both buy and all that kind of stuff. Um, but if you're speaking, um, you've usually got a great message and you've got a connection to the people you're talking to. So speaking um, is a different way to look at platform credentials. Yeah. Having a lot of credibility in your profession. I think this is the way that a lot of like mental health professionals get their book deals. They have potentially a large client list, although obviously they can't like share those, <laughs> share a lot of that data because of client counselor confidentiality laws and such. But the fact that they have exposure to so many people in their client list is a huge win. Um, and so if you have a similar profession and you have a lot of credibility behind your name and you are seen as an expert in that field, that can be a large boost to your platform as well. Yep. One of the underlying premises of Hungry Authors and the reason why we started this podcast and the reason why we're writing a book and you know have our social media and everything is because we want to encourage authors who may not have super large platforms to keep working at their ideas anyway. And it's because Liz and I see every single day that authors do get book deals, even if they don't have a large platform. And we've already kind of made that point, but let me just add this to caveat that too. Agents and editors put different weight on different things. So we already talked about there's your idea, there's the writing, and there's your platform. Those are kind of three key components to your book. And some agents really, really care about the idea. Some really, really care about the writing. Some really, really care about the platform. Earlier yesterday, I was listening to an author gathering hosted by our agent, Don Pape, and he had a guest speaker who is Joel Fotinos, who started the imprint St. Martin's Essentials. So he's at one of the big five publishers. And Joel made the point that there used to be a lot more emphasis on the art of publishing, meaning there used to be a lot more openness to just the idea and the writing. And as our world has become more data-driven, more algorithm-driven, weight has started to shift more towards the business of publishing. The stakes and the requirements for getting published have shifted more towards having large numbers. But he said, too, you're going to find agents and editors who care more about the other things still, who are more interested in the art of publishing rather than the business of publishing. And I know we see that all the time in our own experience and in the data. Yeah. And it's, it's so hard to know. I mean, the best advice is pitch lots of people, talk to lots of people, do research on who agents have signed. Have they signed other unknown people in your genre? You know, have they signed people like that? But yeah, everybody is different in places places value on on different things and so you'll hear like we've already mentioned in the 
this episode's conflicting things. There are editors who don't accept people with less than 25,000 combined followers of some kind. And there are people who don't put nearly that much emphasis on it. And there are people who say that, and then if your pitch is good enough, they don't care about that. And so it's just, it is tricky, but I think one of the most important takeaways is when you hear things like that, when you hear, you have to have a platform. Don't even start pitching until you have 25,000 followers on a single platform. Don't even start pitching until you have a combined audience of 100,000, you know, whatever. It's just not true. It might be true for certain editors and certain agents, but there are plenty out there who do not subscribe to those kinds of rules. And, it, and then we don't, again, we don't mean to say, don't aspire to build a platform that large if that's what you want, but there are plenty of agents and editors out there who put emphasis on different metrics. And again, if, you, if you're writing and your idea is great enough, many editors and agents will, will look past that lack of platform. It isn't an overcomable obstacle. So I've been looking at Publishers Marketplace. And for those of you who don't know what that is, Publishers Marketplace is a website that keeps a record of book deals. And every single day they send out this newsletter reporting on the book deals that are made. Couple things to know about Publishers Marketplace. It's all self-reported data. So Publishers Marketplace relies on agents and editors to tell them when book deals happen and it covers all genres, you know, it covers big five publishers and small independent publishers and even some hybrids. So it's not exhaustive of all publishing deals that take place. And there's just a ton of information out there about what they cover, but it is the best indicator of what's happening in the publisher in the publishing world right now. So I have just been doing a little bit of record keeping and, and noticing what is happening in Publishers Marketplace and just looking at about 500 book deals that I recorded. I put them in this massive spreadsheet and just did a little bit of analysis for us. So these were 500 book deals done in the last two years, 2023 so far, and a few hundred from 2022. Over 40% of those book deals were signed by authors who have less than a thousand followers on Twitter and Instagram, which are the two most popular social networks. So let that sink in for a moment. 40% had less than a thousand followers. That is incredible. Yeah, that's such good news. But I did notice that a lot of those authors did have other platform indicators going for them. They had they had bylines in some major publications, or they had some kind of claim to fame, or they had a lot of credibility in their field, which I feel like just goes to back up what we've been saying here. Mm -hmm. Jane Friedman, who's also a, a publishing expert, she did some similar research last year too. And she was looking specifically at memoir deals. And she was asking the question, is it true that you can only get a memoir deal if you're a celebrity? And so she did a very similar analysis of all the memoir deals from January to July, 2022. And what she found was that only 22% of those memoir deals were signed by celebrities, which is most of the time, that's the, the common myth in publishing, right? Oh, you're not going to get a memoir deal unless you're a celebrity. Well, only 22% of memoir deals go to celebrities. So yeah. where do those the rest of those memoir deals go? They go to current events, which was 5%. They go to media angles and connections, which was 20%. They go to established writers and journalists, which was 21%. And then the rest 
we're random cases, like random, you know, whatever the case may be, we don't really know what, what the magic or secret sauce was behind the rest of those. But I love this data. And I love that we have some proof to show that platform is not everything. And you should be defining platform probably bigger than you have been. If you are a writer who is trying to get a book deal and you're not that interested in building a social media profile, that is probably okay. Maybe you should be focusing on getting an article in in a reputable publication and using that to leverage into a book deal. Maybe you should be networking with other people in your field. Maybe you should be pitching yourself on podcasts to talk about your story or talk about your topic. Maybe, yeah, you should be building your email list. There are just starting to speak, hosting a summit. There are just so many ways to build a distribution channel for selling books that does not involve things that you don't want to do basically, or things that feel exhausting and aren't life-giving to you as a writer. You know, maybe you don't want to be on LinkedIn. Maybe you don't want to be on Pinterest. You don't have to do all of these things. There's a lot of different ways that you can build a platform, gain credibility, validate your idea, which is is a whole thing we haven't even touched on yet, is that one of the main benefits of building a platform of any kind is just that it's proof of concept to some degree. Right. If people are liking your stuff, giving you good feedback, continuing to be drawn to you in whatever way that means, whether it's email subscribers or views on your videos or whatever, it just is validation that you're hitting on something that resonates with people that could be for a good, make for a good book idea, which of course editors and, and agents love other than a deeper way to look at distribution channel for books is people who resonate with this idea already and are asking for it. And of course, a great way to do that is to start practicing in public by building an audience. That goes back to that word of mouth idea we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. The encouraging takeaway here is that platform is so much more than people sometimes make it out to be. It doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be inauthentic. It doesn't have to just be numbers on a certain social media platform. It can be all kinds of different things. And and you can do it in a way that feels good to you. And you can find editors and agents who resonate with your idea and don't put a huge premium on platform if you don't have a big one. That's right. So there's hope for small platforms. There's hope for people who just want to be a writer and just focus on the writing. There's hope for all of us as hungry authors. Thanks for being part of the hungry authors community. If you like this episode, could you do us a huge favor? Head on over to Apple podcasts and leave us a review. We would so appreciate it. You can also follow us on Instagram at hungryauthors or hungryauthors.com, our website, to get more information about our masterclasses and upcoming episodes. Remember that you have a story and a message worth publishing. And if you've got the hunger, you can make it happen. Mm